Hey everybody, welcome to episode 68 of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. My name is Kieran, and I have been metal detecting now for nearly 30 years. This week, I simply want to give you an update from my world in metal detecting, and I want to give five advanced metal detecting tips. So let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, before we start, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast, and I hope you enjoyed the episode this week. If you want to support the show, there are many options available from the links in the episode notes below. And if you want to interact with me and the show, that information is in there too. But most importantly, if you like this content, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode. I hope you've had more holes this week than a gold digger's diaphragm. So this week, I want to give you some advanced tips for metal detecting. But first, let's talk about my week. I actually got out a few times, but most notably a snorkel hunt with the Nocta Macro Pulse Dive, finding the standard beach fare. However, the sight of me flaying about the waves evoked a wave of mortification and towel clutching, but fun nonetheless. I really enjoyed it and will do it again soon. Next, I went mudlarking on the hottest day of the year. Four hours, eyes down, ass up, with nothing of importance to report. I did, however, attempt to generate some content to add to this content for YouTube, essentially so people could watch me digging or mudlarking while listening to the episode. And I am not a photographer. It was terrible. I definitely have a face for radio, and I admire anyone who puts out YouTube content every week. But you gotta start somewhere, and I'll keep on endeavouring to figure it out. And will add it to my weekly process once I can figure it out completely, ensuring at least some level of quality. And finally, in this week's update... We got one! The podcast has its first Patreon in Mervyn Cooney. Mervyn has been a long-time supporter of the podcast, and his contribution goes towards paying for hosting and production of the podcast. So, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you, Mervyn. And as we say in Ireland, you're some man. So, on to this week's topic of choice. Five advanced metal detecting tips. Now, in researching of what I consider my advanced tips versus what other consider an advanced tip, I did some benchmarking on what everyone thought. Firstly, to me, an advanced tip will be proven to increase your wins. However, in every blog, list, post, they all include research on the list. And if you're a regular listener of the show, you will know I always rabbit on about how research is key. But getting research right is a basic requirement of the hobby and shouldn't be considered advanced. I don't want anybody just getting into the hobby thinking, ooh, I leave the research bit till I'm more advanced in the hobby. No, start now. Before you even go out the door, research, research, research. Anyways, rant over. Research will not be on my list of advanced tips this week. So my first tip is, if you look or read anybody you consider advanced in the hobby, they all have this one trait. Patience. Strength of conviction. Power of positivity. Whatever you want to call it. Relentless optimism. But they all have a frame of mind that allows them to be positive or resolute in their convictions to show if they stick to their process, trust the research, that they will have the expected outcomes. This allows them to keep on going when others call it a day. 
these are the guys who will go to the same site over and over while others say it's hunted out and find the big finds, can focus all day on one type of signal they're looking for while disregarding every other signal just to dig three holes and find one gold ring. When they're tired and before they wrap up, they will dig three or four more holes. You get the idea. These guys are disciplined while positive and you need this too to advance in the hobby. The longer you're out and the more focused you can be, the better the results. Positivity will take you a long way. My next tip would be, don't be random. The lottery is random, and if you're random while metal detecting, you will have random results. I have to admit, I struggle with this point all the time. I'm a big fan of the burst out the door, I don't care where I'm hunting, I'm just glad I'm hunting hunt. However, I am aware of this and set my expectations accordingly, that if I do find something great, it was more down to luck than anything I did. Don't be random on your equipment or hunt prep. Make a checklist if you need to force you to stay defined and measure it in your preparation. Don't be random with your swing. If your swing is erratically moving between parallel and pendulum, fix it and make an explicit effort to fix it or to remove the randomness from it. When you get on site, start gridding. Don't randomly wander around the site hoping to randomly hit a hot spot. Grid the site. You are most definitely going to hit that hot spot if you do. A good analogy of this is to get a child to randomly take a line for a walk on a piece of graph paper. When they're done, look at how many squares were not addressed with a line. Get another child to do it, and another, and another. After all these children have taken a line for a walk on the same piece of graph paper, I guarantee you there will be some empty squares or hot spots left on the paper. Now, ask the first child to do it again, but this time tell them the line must go through every square, and they will take their time writing slowly and deliberately, ensuring that every square has a line going through it. It took longer, maybe a lot longer, but it was done properly, and the graph paper was hunted out. Focus on any part of your process. Break it down. What steps are not necessary or are random or not deliberate enough? Are you constantly leaving targets in the side of the hole? Practice pinpointing and digging that hole till you have it right. Random, bad, deliberate, good. Next, understand the implications of coil sizes. I recently did an episode on coils and it was one of my least downloaded episodes, but I'll synopsize it here. When talking about coil sizes, bigger is not necessarily better. I don't know how many times I see people abandoning their 17-inch coil only after a few uses. This is because, in my opinion, there is only one place a 17-inch coil is useful, and that's on a field, and only on a field that doesn't have much trash on it. This is because a larger coil is more prone to target masking, again making it less efficient. I also believe the extra ground coverage per swing comes at a cost to the length of time you can hunt flinging a large coil about, ultimately reducing your overall hunting time at the end of the day. There is a time and a place for a large coil, but not many, and unfortunately it is often the first beginner mistake people make in purchasing one. What you need is a small coil, sometimes called a sniper coil. You don't get the ground coverage, but you do get an extended search time with the lighter coil, 
Plus, it is specifically designed for trashy terrain, allowing you to maneuver between bottle caps and ring pulls with very little chance of target masking. With a little practice, you will be able to identify good targets among several trash targets before you even put a spade to the ground. However, a smaller coil can let randomness enter your swing, as it is more difficult to overlap your swings if the coil is smaller. So bear that in mind, but I believe this is a small price to pay on something that should be refined out of your process anyways. Next, RTFM. Read the flipping manual. Actually read it and read it again. I can't believe I have to add this to an advanced tip, but it's a fact that we have all read the manual once, haven't we? I'd say if we actually did the math, the average times we have read the manual would be a lot less than one. So a lot of us have not read the manual, people. If you don't read the manual, how can you understand what your detector is capable of? Ask your buddy with the Equinox how does iron bias work and see if he's aware of the capability. I struggled for ages pairing my headphones with every detector because I used to go straight past that section to the hunting features. This cost me at least 15 minutes every hunt till I made a concerted effort to get to grips with it. A good rule of thumb to how well you understand your detector is to try to explain how it works including all its features and what they do to someone. Even vocalizing this will show you where you have gaps in your knowledge. As Einstein says, most of the fundamental ideas of science are essentially simple and may as a rule be expressed in a language comprehensibly to everybody. In other words, if you're explaining your detector features to someone who has zero detector knowledge and you can't do it simply, do you really know your detector? Lastly, use the weather to your advantage. I see all over social media right now. Yay, metal detecting season is here. Well, I would say that summer is the off season for an advanced detectorist. Yes, the beaches are full, but it is a fact that metal detectors work better in moist ground. It is a fact that hurricanes and storms kick up treasures off the sea and riverbeds, and the best time to hunt a beach is after these. It is a fact that ground coverage is at a minimum in winter. The crops are usually drawn in early fall. It is also a fact during the fall and winter months there is less people about so getting on site will be less congested. And not only is General Joe not about but also your fellow detectorists are nowhere to be seen. I understand that this information may be useless if you're in a country that freezes and gets covered in snow for the majority of fall and winter. But if you're not, put on a scarf and a hat and get out there. Learn to equip yourself against the rain and the wind and the cold. It will be worth it. And finally, a bonus tip as always. Don't store different metals together as dissimilar metals touching off each other are prone to bimetallic corrosion. This is caused as each metal will have a different electrode potential, especially if there is water or moisture present resulting in the electrons swapping between them, causing corrosion much like electrolysis we chatted about previously. Typical examples are aluminium and stainless steel. Now, saying that, most of our high-value targets are made from inert metals, but obviously, watch out for this. And that's it. You may have noticed I didn't mention any specific equipment or advanced detectors, as I believe if you adopt these tips, no matter what equipment you have, you can be an advanced metal detectorist. 
and advanced or the latest equipment only brings complexity to the process of metal detecting. And sometimes these are not even an advantage. So to wrap up, let's do a recap to drive the message home. One, patience and a positive frame of mind gets you further than you think. Two, remove the random. Three, bigger is not always better, especially when talking about coil size. Four, RTFM, read the flipping manual and explain it to someone. Five, use the weather to your advantage. Maybe fall and winter is our season. Remember, the equipment doesn't make you an advanced detectorist. It's your mindset. That's it for this week. I hope you liked this episode of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. Check out our new website on www.themetaldetectingshow.com for this episode's show notes. Check out our Patreon page if you want to join Marvin and help the podcast stay alive or just to want to buy me a copy. Actually, if you want to buy me a copy, you can do so on www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash metaldetecting. Also, if you would like to leave me a voicemail, please do so on speakpipe.com forward slash show. The link will be in the show notes. If you feel like taking your appreciation to the next level, feel free to leave me a positive review on any podcast directory of your choice. If you like this content and would like more, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Once again, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and we will chat to you all again next week. Get out there, eyes down and happy hunting. Thank you.